Ever had to RSVP? RSVP stands for Respondez, s'il vous plaît, or Respond, please. Pastor Ray Bentley says we're asked to respond to an invitation. A wedding is coming. It's the king's wedding. We have been invited, and there are many that are not paying attention. You're invited, and you don't have to do anything other than go receive what has been prepared by a king for you. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When there's a wedding in the family, typically the whole family is invited. More than that, family members are often part of the wedding party. Well, the Lord uses that analogy to describe how the family of God will be invited to a great wedding feast. It's an exciting description of the last days. Here's Pastor Ray now to tell us more. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, and the title of the message is Relationship is Everything. All right, we're going to be talking literally not only from the Bible, but from Jesus' own mouth, what is important to God, our Father, the Creator of the universe. It's all about relationships. So relationship is everything. We'll start off here, the first of the you know, handful of little life lessons that I try to you know, simplify, and that's the idea of following along and you know where we are in the study and kind of highlighting certain things. Number one, out of the first three verses of this story, the heart of the Lord is all about relationships. But in chapter 22, verse 1, we read, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said. So a parable is a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven... Man, I like hearing about the kingdom of heaven. I want to know what heaven is like. And Jesus told stories so that we could get a divine, kind of behind-the-curtains look into what heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. So I want you to start with that. He starts with this parable. Here's a king. He's having a royal wedding in his kingdom. He sends out invitations, and nobody is willing to come. So, you know, when we think about what is the meaning of life, what is the purpose of life, here the Lord is telling a story. He's telling a parable, and the illustration that he used, uh, here he's got three different parables, one after the other, and it's all about a wedding. And Jesus himself is called the heavenly bridegroom. The church is called the bride. And we are invited into that wedding. In fact, we're to be the main attraction. The church is the bride. And so this is the ultimate, uh, you know, parable, story, window, metaphor, understanding of what eternity is going to be for those who are part of the family of God. So here, I want to say this. Part of the idea of what I want to share that many times when you're little, and many people have a story where they, you know, were brought to church or they went, you know, whatever kind of church that it was or Sunday school or you went to some 
program or Awanas or whatever it was, but you, you know, for children, it's not hard to expose children to the concept that more than mom and dad and brothers and sisters, this big world and then the sun and the moon and the stars and the universe beyond, that there's a creator. It's a very simple, easy, uh, childlike concept for little ones to grasp. And many begin well their journey in church or in Sunday school, etc. cetera. Uh, but then, you know, things happen. Number one, the church uh, is filled with imperfect people. So there's lots of problems with the church. And then there's pastors and leaders that, you know, don't live up to what they're called to do. And so then they get spoiled, you know, so whatever. They, they kind of lose their heart. I was in the store yesterday where I live in, in Escondido, and I was going to get something, and it's a store that I've been to a few times, and I was gonna ask the lady there a question about this one uh, product, and I've known her, talked to her just briefly or whatever, and, and some other guy is walking by, and he says something as he goes around the corner, and she comes to me and rolls her eyes. I go, what's, what's going on? And she goes, oh, that guy is talking about God and how, it was weird. <laughs> and she goes, if he knew who you were, you know? And I was like, oh, gee, okay, I'm trying to, I gotta get this fast to get out of here. But no, 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 no. So anyway, he comes back around and another thing, you know? So anyway, he comes and she goes, well, did you know this man right here? Interesting how you're talking about God. He's a pastor. And I was like, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> and he goes, well, you know, I don't, I, I went to church when I was little, Catholic. He goes, I get, I, you know, I understand about guilt and all that, but I just don't believe in a God that'll forgive anything and anybody and that. So he went into this whole thing. And I basically looked at him and I said, well, you know, yeah, a mean, critical, judgmental God. Yeah, that God, uh, I don't believe in him either, but I believe in the real God. And the real God is loving and gracious and forgiving and is awesome and incredible. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Anyway, it was funny. So, and I was just thinking, so I just said, Lord, help this man. He goes, well, I don't, I don't follow organized religion. I think he was going to think I was going to try to get him to go to my church. I said, well, that's okay. But, but wherever you go, God is. So I was thinking about how many people begin and they get offended, hurt, whatever. And then they're kind of off on their own, doing their best, making it up as they go. And so I want to just go on from here. I want to just read what God's written into his word, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and then Leviticus 19.18. Let's read this scripture out loud. You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is repeated some nine times in the New Testament. So it's taken out of the Old Testament. It's not like this is new. This is from the Old Testament, as I just pointed out, Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus. But it's repeated nine times in the New Testament. It's like God is making a point. He's underlining it. He's putting an exclamation point on it. First, with God, relationship. Secondly, it's not about what you do. It's not about what you accomplish, not how many good deeds you do. It's about your relationships and how you treat people. The meaning and the purpose of life is not about accomplishments. It's about who you are becoming. 
and we are to become in life. All of the things that we learn and go through in life are about God forming us and shaping us and desiring for his sons and daughters, that's who we are, that's our identity, to grow up to be like him. So relationship. God created you for relationship. The very reason that Jesus left heaven and came to the earth is to make a relationship with God possible. And that's why even when Jesus ascended and went up to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit so that from within we can have a relationship, personal relationship with our heavenly Father, and that can overflow in our relationships with how we treat one another beginning with our own spouses, our own children, our own families, and the greater extended family and our friends and neighbors. So I want to, I mean, I know this is kind of obvious, but sometimes you have to state the obvious and make it direct. Relationships are far more important than fame. They are more important than pleasure. They are more important than prestige, whatever that is to you. And they are far more important to a, an American audience, than success. In fact, the Bible says that you can be successful in all these other outward fashions, but if you are not successful in relationships, you have missed the meaning of life. You've missed everything. So look with me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Let's read this out loud. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul took the whole 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians to talk about love, talk about a guy that was brought up into the third heaven, saw things that he said you can't even write or describe in human language. He was brought into the presence of the Lord, and he wrote this incredible divine revelation about what love is. And here's what he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. Let's read it out loud. If I have not love, I am nothing. So all those other things that we spend a lot of time and energy and emotion investing in matter, but they do not matter the most. And without love, they don't matter at all. So we need to, you know, so okay, Lord, we're hearing you. You're talking about an invitation from the King of heaven, the King of the universe, to a wedding. He is inviting us into a personal relationship with Him. And it's very, very beautiful, very, very powerful. Now, when you are invited to the royal wedding of the Son of God, just say yes. So look, the invitation has been given. It has been sent out several thousand years. When Jesus came, he talked about it. This is the story, the parable. This is leading up to the last week of his life. He's about by this week. I mean, I know we're in Matthew 22. We got to chapter 28. But every story that we're going into now, and the reason Matthew spends almost a third of his gospel on the last week is this is what it's all about. It's about relationship. And every one of the seven billion people on planet Earth from every nation, language, kindred, and tribe has received a personal invitation from God in heaven. You're invited to a royal wedding, and he wants you personally to respond. And quite honestly, when you get that invitation, the only thing to say is yes. 
You don't negotiate, you don't bargain, what does this mean? Or, you know, whatever questions you have, do that later. Just say yes, and then ask questions. Can I hear an amen on that? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realize he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Let's read verses 4 through 7, because Jesus goes on to say again, beginning of verse 4, he says, and again, so he told the first time, he sent out invitations, and nobody was willing to come. Verse 4, again, he sent out other servants. So, like, this is on the king's mind and heart. It's number one on his mind and heart. I'm telling you, I'm having a wedding. I want people to be there. So he sent out other servants, saying, tell those who are invited, see I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. You're invited and you don't have to do anything other than go receive what has been prepared by a king for you. Come to the wedding. All things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it and they went their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business. They ignore the invitation you know, which is crazy, and just we're self-absorbed. You know what? I have a word here with all the, you know, spin cycles going on in the world right now. The world is not listening, and the world is not paying attention. They have been invited by the king of the universe to the most important event in history and in the universe. A wedding is coming. It's the king's wedding. We have been invited, and there are many that are not paying attention. They're, they're too self-absorbed too self-focused. Verse 6, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. What I want to say is that Jesus continues to explain to the religious leaders who are listening to him and to the crowds who are gathered around the danger of rejecting him or rejecting God or rejecting the invitation of the king. A wedding was the most significant social event of a person's life. But on top of that, the wedding of the king's son, the prince, who will be king, would be king, and as we know is king, would be a spectacular event. And it would be an invitation that even getting an invitation was a prize that you could hang up on the wall. Now, look, uh, you know, recently in England, you know, they still have, you know, the monarchy, and it's changed a little bit. It's not like it used to be where they, 
they do all of the, the business, but they still have a representative monarchy that plays a role, and, and then the princes and so forth, and they're going to have a wedding. What if you happen to get an invitation to that royal wedding? And it says, you have been selected. We need you. We want you. You're going to be in a royal box. All expenses paid. And by the way, after the wedding, you can stay for a whole month, visit any other great cities that you want to in Europe, and we're going to spoil you and your spouse or whatever. How many of you would be okay with that? How honored would you feel? How jealous would your friends be to receive something and then to turn it down? But look, as amazing as that would be, just for the spectacle of it, just to be there, and it, what? It's paid for, it's all, and they want me, and I'm going to be in on the thing, and... But this is at another level. And we don't even fully know and understand. I'm telling you that in the, in the kingdom of heaven, all angels are not alike. There's different kinds of angels. There are worlds of other uh, beings that God has made. And Paul the apostle, who was a Pharisee and, and therefore a Jewish theologian, he, when he says, you know, that Jesus far above all principalities, powers, mights, dominions, and names. He's talking about different kinds, worlds, of the angelic realm. And the angels have been around before mankind came along. And when God made man in his own image after his own likeness and this new darling of creation, and the angels were like, even the angels desire to look into it. And when they saw how much God loved this new creation that's a little lower than the angels, we don't, we don't have the capacities they do. And then the extent to which the Father was willing to go to send His Son from heaven, who'd been there in eternity, down, and what He did, and the price that He paid for these new, this new creation called His bride, and that we are going to be the object of the wedding. We're the bride, and the angels are the guests watching and participating in the royal boxes of heaven. I mean, it's another level. We've been invited. We cannot afford to ignore or to reject. I mean, you know, in ancient cultures, you don't say no to the king. And there's consequences if you do, and especially to the Lord. So they rejected God's invitation. They rejected the Father by killing John the Baptist. I mean, that was the first, you know, the messenger he sent. They had not had a prophet for 400 years. Israel had not. And then God sent a man that everybody knew, the people knew, this is the real deal. This guy, and he's not here at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. There's a lot of hypocrisy and pride, and they've made money out of the whole deal. And, it's, and people knew it. You can feel when it's fake and it's not, there's no depth to it or whatever. And they go, hey, there's a real guy. This guy hears from God. When this guy opens his mouth, the Word of God pierces your heart, and he's out in the desert preaching to the mountains and to the creatures, you want to hear the voice of God. And they hadn't heard God's voice. There was a hunger for the power and authenticity and the reality of the Word of God. They went out into the desert and down by the Jordan River. And when he heard him, they were pierced. He said, finally, it's the Word of the Lord. And he goes, the kingdom is coming. Someone's coming now, not off in the future, hundreds of years from now, now. In fact, he's walking among you. And they're looking around. He said, there's one among you right now. He's the one we've been waiting for. Repent, get into the river, confess your sins, and prepare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It means it's here now. 
And then John baptizes Jesus, and Jesus comes up, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and the beginning of the ministry that they'd been waiting for from the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has now come. But they take John the Baptist, and they kill him. The father was rejected. Now we're going to find out, and this week they reject the son Jesus by arresting him and crucifying him. And then Jesus rises from the dead, and just as he promised, you know, 50 days later, he sends the Holy Spirit from heaven, and there is the outpouring of the Spirit, and they're baptized.